the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by Danny Perez and Anthony Florentino. This is episode 53 featuring Dr. Peter Bersons. Dr. Bersons is a sports psychologist with First Tree Psychology out of Pompton Plains, New Jersey. He has a master's degree from Columbia University and a doctorate degree from Fordham University and is an expert in treating anxiety and sports performance related issues using cognitive behavioral therapy. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. Welcome, and if you can just, yeah, introduce yourself, who you are, and what you do. All right. So uh, my name is Dr. Peter Berzins. I'm a psychologist and I specialize in sports psychology. So I work with athletes to help them be more mentally tough, more focused. Awesome. Um, now let's kind of just dive in and unpack that a little bit. What exactly is sports psychology? I mean, um, it's a term yeah. being thrown out there a lot these days, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's still new to a lot of people. So um, if you can just get into specifics of what exactly that is, sports psychology and uh, mental sure. toughness. So basically, it's, it's the study of human behavior in sports, right? So we look at the effect the mind has on performance. Uh, and one of my favorite savings is the mind is the athlete, the body is just the means, right? So whatever our brains tell us to do, our bodies just have to listen, right? Whether that's positive or natural. Uh, and unfortunately, it's naturally a lot of people have negative thinking, right? Or perfectionism or things that hold them back. So what people like me and other sports psychologists do is we examine ways to unlock these problems that are holding these athletes back. Okay. Um, how exactly, we can get into this later. I kind of wanted to talk about the brain and, and that sort of thing. Cause I think the more I talk oh, about yeah. this, the more I start to realize, oh, like I'm, those are patterns that I've been doing subconsciously that have had this effect on my life. I'm kind of starting to see how like the way my thought process works and how I've gotten into that sort of habit of thinking in a certain way and kind of why certain things have happened. So I kind of want to talk about the brain and thoughts in general, thought loops, patterns, and you know, why the brain operates the way it does. I think you made a huge point there is that, you know, the, the brain is everything and the body is just kind of like the, the, the physical, you know, being that operates mm-hmm. by what the engine tells it to do, sort of speak, you know, it just kind of, Absolutely. just, uh, you know, talk about like those thoughts and, you know, okay. what that is. So, uh, first things first, people are born with mental toughness. Like this is almost unnatural, right? When we look at the human brain, it, it's, it's not something that's, you can't have mental toughness without tons and tons and tons of practice. Right. So, I want to look back. If you look at the brain, I want to talk about caveman days, right? Thousands, thousands of years ago. What kept cavemen, people over past uh, alive were things like fear, things like distractibility. Those are like most high, highly, you know, useful things for, for people. So we have to look at if it was a thousand years ago, it's at night and you hear a noise it would startle us to wake up. So like, you know about like the fight or flight reflex we've heard before, right? So in our brain, in our DNA, this fight or flight thing was run into a cave, run up a tree, protect your family, run away from things that frighten you, run away from things that make you uncomfortable, run away from problems in your life, right? So when I'm talking about mental toughness, I'm talking about like the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to realize that because if, if you heard a noise and it was a bear and you ran to attack it kamikaze style, the consequences are you're mm-hmm. probably going to be dead, you yeah. know, a while ago. Mm-hmm. So 
I tell every single athlete I work with, it's in your DNA to avoid things. This is your brain trying to keep you safe. Run away, don't do it, avoid anything that makes you uncomfortable, right? But now, right, we're safer. Uh, we're allowed to approach rather than avoid feared stimuli, right? You can't get better in any sport unless you constantly repetitively fail. You try, you learn, you fail, you correct, you try, you learn, right? Like that's the pattern that I help my athletes uh, work through. So it's through that understanding of how our brain was hardwired that we could say like, all right, well, is that beneficial anymore? Or can we adapt? Can we learn? Can we change? Mm -hmm. um, a quote that I really like is by a guy, uh, Samuel Beckett. Uh, he wrote, ever tried, ever failed, no matter. Try again, fail again, fail better. So I love having this discussion with other athletes. When I say fail better to you, what what does your brain personally think? How do you make sense of that? I think for me, that would have to say like going out there and trying to fail by getting out of your comfort zone. So you're stretching your ability to, I guess, expand your comfort zone. Correct. So it's getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is, that's, that is my way putting it, yeah. <laughs> that's my practice all day long. You're going to be uncomfortable. Let's yeah. get comfortable. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, for hockey, for basic basketball, right. Uh, if, the ultimate goal for every single athlete I talk about is, is ultimately perfection. They want that 100% locked mm -hmm. in all the time. And I say, okay, so, but pretend you're now starting out and you have 100 pucks and you get one in out of 100. All right, you're failing. Great. If tomorrow you say, I'm dedicated, I'm going to keep going and you keep practicing, will you get two out of 100 at a certain point, right? So you're still failing but you are feeling better. Mm -hmm. And with practice, we get five out of 100, 10 out of 100, 20 out of 100. So it's that process of failing better every single practice. Try, fail, better. Try, fail, better. That's how people progress with anything, mm -hmm. with, with studying, with athletics, with relationships. Like you have to fail to grow, to succeed, Yeah. right? So it's getting comfortable with failure is like a huge component of what I do. Um, and here's the good part. In sport and out of sport, the brain doesn't know any difference. So if you're like, a, you ever hear of the outward bound program that they yeah. have? So, Not right, overly familiar, but definitely have heard but, of it. Yeah. Right? It has people, inner cities, whatever, and they take them out camping in the middle of the wilderness. Yeah. That makes them mentally tough in sports, just having the experience of, you know what, last summer, remember I was just hiking in the middle of the Adirondacks or whatever, and now it's, you know, 10 seconds left on the buzzer and, and it's my chance to shoot. Did that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable then. Mm -hmm. I survived. I'm comfortable here. I'll survive. So I tell every single athlete, make yourself uncomfortable. Every single day, <laughs> choose a new yep. and wonderful way to push yourself. It yeah. doesn't have to be in the sport. In the sport, I love, but uh, you're going to have two, three hours in the sport, 12 hours out of the sport. Exactly. So it's something that you could practice mm -hmm. really well. Going back to what you said about the, um, the primitive days where we're, you know, yep. running away from bears and, you know, life was very hard back then. Um, I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and he mentioned how, you know, life right now is so easy that we don't really have as many problems and in a sense mm -hmm. our flight or fight fight or flight isn't activated as much for legitimate issues like that you know survival and he yeah. talked about how it's important to do something hard every single day um like whether it's a super difficult workout or a difficult task and i think you're reiterating that right now um would you agree with that notion that you know kind of our bodies are in this where it's it's too comfortable and it's uncomfortable that we're not able to actually like utilize our survival instincts on a day-to-day -day basis. Hence, you know, why it's important yeah. to make sure we get those workouts in, make sure we, you know, do a difficult task, read a, you know, difficult subject of a book or, you know, mm -hmm. different problems in our lives. One million percent. Again, it's in our DNA to find comfort. We love safety, right? 
this is this is what we've made our whole you know country to be like all right so we're gonna get these really nice houses we're gonna protect us and this and that and you know the fridge is stocked with food so just in case there's a power outage this that we're safe for three or four days like we don't like being uncomfortable so i a hundred percent agree with that and that trickles down to athletics and our athletic mind that because 99% of our day is spent being comfortable. Now I'm going to ask you to perform at your peak level under huge amounts of pressure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sometimes that's a big ask. And a lot of athletes have a problem with that for specifically exactly the reasons that you're exactly talking about right now. Yeah. I think the training has become overly structured as well. I think it's hard for kids to flat out play um, in every sport. I think it's hard for kids to flat out, just play a game of pickup basketball, play three on three hockey or five on five hockey with their buddies. And I think that's where a lot of the growth happens. And I find that there's a lot of overstructure in, I I'll speak for hockey because I know it the best, but um, in, in hockey development, it's overstructure. There's, you know, a ton of pylons and it's reiterating the game itself or, or re um, I guess trying to reenact the game itself. And I think that you just flat out get better by playing the game itself in a playful manner and allowing yourself to try new things that you wouldn't in a game with your buddies, giving it hundred percent effort, like you would in a game and just allowing yourself to have fun with the process of failing, trying new things. And I think with develop skill development now in hockey, I think there's a lot of overstructure to it. Yeah. You know, we, we put cones and sticks out to reenact shooting through a screen. Why don't you just play three on three with your buddies and practice it yourself? Yep. You know? And so one million percent. I agree with that. And also when you're in a practice specific environment, you're not free to get creative exactly. and yep. try things that you would. Exactly. So you actually improve more playing with your buddies because you're going to try yep. some crazy sick work yep. that you wouldn't do in a game. Exactly. So I, I agree a million percent with that. And that's, that's you know, you all know, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was just going to say that. I agree. <laughs> I'm going to look at uh, burnout rate is higher in the USA than any other country in the world with our sports because Makes they sense. don't structure it that way. They don't. Even in Europe where they have the best soccer teams, the best, you know, they, it's, it's play. It's play. These kids, even after practice, they're in the streets mm-hmm. just playing soccer in the middle of the streets. It's yep. fun. Yeah. So if when you start losing fun in a sport, then now it's practice time. You're like, oh, this is my third practice of the week. Mm-hmm. You're burnt out. So your mind's locked up. So you're not going to remember all the stick work and the drills. Exactly. exactly. So I, I tell people play all the time. So it's kind of funny. It's similar. But my best advice to, I work with a lot of college athletes, is mm-hmm. telling them to coach younger kids. Okay. Yep. Enjoy just playing A. If you're coaching with, pretend you're 18 and you're playing a bunch of uh, U12, U13 kids, the freedom that you can have over, all right, it's me versus the 12 of you guys, and you're just keeping the ball away from them. Mm -hmm. You're having fun. You're working on your footwork. You're working on, you know, everything that you should be doing in a practice, but in such a free manner. Mm -hmm. And then you start loving the game again. So it's just like simple little things like that that lead to joy again. Exactly. It's... um... I think everyone's kind of looking for like the magic pillar, like the one, the one skill development coach, the one thing you need to work on to make it to the NHL or make it to the highest possible level in, in their sport. And I think it's just, like you said, flat out having fun with it and trying those different things and enjoying the process of it. And I think it's hard for players to enjoy the process because it's so structured and it's like, you know, I have to work on this in this type of way. Otherwise I'll never get to the top. And it's like, this stuff just started coming out. Like, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovech, and Connor McDavid, they didn't have like the exact training that we were doing. They were just out there, I think, just playing as much as they could and with right. their buddies and trying those things. And yeah, they have some gifts, sure. But I think they just worked on it in, in the most natural way possible and had fun with that. And I think it's important when we get back to that. I think it's important to have structure with working on certain skills. I think that's so, but finding the balance, of, okay, structured skill time that's it. and then unstructured play, have fun and try those things. So if, coaches could listen to and incorporate 50%, you know, technical stuff, but then 50%. All right, guys play. And that's why I like playing uh, overloaded, like five versus four in mm-hmm. hockey or something yep. like that. Figure it out. Yeah. 
play overloaded and, and see what happens. Exactly. And just getting all these different, you know, uh, things that you would not do. Again, the freedom to experiment in a non-pressured thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've seen some negative parts of this where uh, a coach will be like, all right, guys, just just play soccer, 77 or hockey, 4v4, 3v3. And then he's just talking the whole time of, no, you didn't do that. Yep. So he's like playing NHL live mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> by yeah. coaching. Right? Uh-huh. Like, you just destroyed the drill. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not FIFA. What are you doing? Exactly. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think there's, there can be a lot of overcoaching. I think it's, you should give the player the template, the players a template of the drill. Hey, this mm-hmm. is kind of the general outline of it. This is how I think it should look. And then from there, be a player and make the plays you need to make. And it's okay to make those mistakes. And I think a lot of times, you know, players get harped on for making those mistakes and it's not going to be perfect. No one's going to be perfect. You can be the best at your sport and you're never going to be perfect. You're still going to make mistakes. So um, right. I think that's a key, key point. Um, yeah. 100%. I think uh, there's a lot of, you know, players out there who never seen a sports psychologist. Um, I think there's 100% more that haven't than have. Um, for those who haven't seen a sports psychologist ever who are looking to maybe seek one, um, but are unsure about what it's like. You know, I think a lot of my friends who haven't, they say, Oh, I don't feel comfortable talking to a stranger. How are they going to help my sport? Right. What's the process like for them say on a first session um, and then working from that, what's the process of seeing a sports psychologist like, and um, how do you help them? So, right. I help them uh, push past whatever mental barriers that are, are preventing them from excelling. So, a lot of times when I meet with people for the first time, they have some sort of uh, uh, faulty expectation, like they're, they're disappointed because they expect to be perfect or play perfect, right? So what I do is help them coach learn to separate the difference of what is in their control and what is out of their control. And just talking out loud of what are your expectations what do you think you have control over? What is not in your control over? And then being able to talk about if it is in your control, fantastic. Let's figure out a way to get better in this one skill. If it is not in your control, how do we accept whatever? Again, I keep saying faulty expectation, but that's the best way I can look at it. It's, it's some sort of fantasy. People come to me with a, a script of how they want to perform. And then the game starts playing and, oh no, page one, I said I was going to do yeah. this. Now I'm lost. I, I can't play without my script. Yeah. Which, which goes back to playing free with your friends. There's no script when you're playing with that. So mm. I help them get used to what happens when things don't go your way. How can you accept and be in this moment and not get stuck in the past? The, the example I give to all my athletes is pretend um, I'm walking and then I trip, right? So my choices are I can walk and then focus on that one mistake for the rest of my walk. And then I'm like, remember when I fell down? Man, I'm so clumsy. Oh, I'm so stupid. How, how did I do that? And right, my body's moving, but, but my mind is stuck on this one thing, which a lot of athletes do. They, they make that one mistake and if you focus on that one mistake, well, guess what? <laughs> it's strike one, you're not focused. Strike two, you're not focused. Strike three, right? And I'm sure yeah. you've seen that with friends, teammates. Me, myself, yeah. <laughs> they're locked into to not being in the present moment. So like a huge, huge, huge part of why to help is what's in your control, what's not in your control. Can you be in the present? Because if you're in the present moment, there's a lot you can control in the present moment. Mm-hmm. If you're living for some past fantasy or future fantasy, not a lot of control you can have over the past and the future. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, but that's, that's like the, the, the thing that I keep talking about. What can you control? Mm-hmm. What can you control? What can you control? And then do it. Let's have a plan to play the best given the scenarios. So like, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. In a hockey game, Tons of stuff out of your control. What what are a few things that are not in control when you play a game? That are not in your control, I'd say. What, the other, what the other people do, what the 
where the yeah. puck goes based on yeah. how other people pass it. Um, the crowd, you know, th- things of just completely external things that are, you know, not within your body, I'd say. Right. Refs calls and stuff yeah. like that. Right. So how many times are we locked into the wrong thing that we should be focused on? Mm. That damn ref, that damn ref. And you're chirping at the box. You chirp it like that's, you're not focusing on the puck. Mm-hmm. Right. Now what I tell athletes is, well, what, what is in your control? So I'll say it to you. Literally when you're on the ice, what is a couple of things that is in your control that you could be focusing on? I'd say just my body itself, my hands, my yep. stick, my effort. Effort is the biggest thing is my ability to go out there and work hard and give my, put my best foot forward. Um, I'd say. That's it. I, I would say two things. Effort, 100% on your control. Attitude, 100% yep. in control, right? So mm-hmm. if something bad happens, some guy checks you a little, a little harder than you should or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. How do you respond? Can you respond with that warrior mindset, high effort, positive attitude? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then I really don't care about the outcome. I care about you bounce back. You're going to play better. If you're focused on something that you can't control, the outcome is usually pretty, pretty poor, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah. That's, so, I think when, when you talked about being present, I think um, that was something that I would always hear and not that it would fall on deaf ears, but I would always think about, okay, like, okay, oh, I'm present. Surely I'm, I'm here, but my thoughts would yeah. still, my thoughts would still run rampant. So what I found that worked for me with, with kind of getting back to the present moment was physical touch. So I'd try and like wiggle my fingers, and, like feel my fingers in my gloves and around my stick. And when I would skate my, my, you know, the blades on the ice, those sort of things, I'm finding myself in the physical moment and out mm-hmm. of this imaginary world that I'm conjuring up in my head. And that's just a trigger that would work for me that it's okay. This is helping me get back to the present moment and each single moment that passes by. It's just like Absolutely. that physical touch has helped me. And I, um, I think that's a big thing that a lot of listeners can take when they hear, Oh, be present. Like, well, that's one way. How 1 million percent, you know, and everyone has a different, uh, sense, something that they focus on to be here and now, but, but you have to find what works for you. Mm. Right. So everyone can say, Oh yeah, the, the puck. All right. If that's your focus to be on the here and now, and that's what you focus on. Fantastic. Mm. If it's, uh, like a positive saying, like people have different mantras yep. that they say to get them in the, strong, fast, uh, aggressive. Yeah. If that's the thing that gets you locked in, fantastic. But yep. you've got to find that one thing that gets you in that zone. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Self-talk, self-talk is huge. I, um, I've only realized that recently like, when I start allowing my thoughts to kind yep. of go, go on the wayside. I start to think to myself, one thing I say to myself is I'm in control. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm alone, I'll say it out loud. <laughs> if I'm in public, maybe I won't. But uh, I'll just say, yeah, I'm in control. I'm in control. I'm in control. Like, it just kind of helps me realize that whatever I'm thinking of, however I'm feeling overwhelmed, it all will work out. And I eventually can control the outcome through, like you said, effort and um, attitude. So yeah, um, I want to talk about three techniques that every athlete must do um, to be the best performer that they can be. What would you say that those are? I'm starting with self-talk. Number one, I think that's probably the best thing. So ask people to become aware of their self-talk first because most people are not aware of what they're thinking they feel bad after it but but they're not so it's awesome that you that you are aware of it so what i want people to do is be aware of how self-critical they are when they make a mistake right uh if you can catch yourself when you're negative then you can make more adaptive statements so the three things that i i think are important is there's always a statement and there's a feeling that there is an action. Always, no matter what, positive or negative, there's always a statement and there's a feeling there's an action. So for a negative self-talk, like uh, pretend someone goes into a game and they has the, the statement, I'm weak, right? Well, that's going to lead to a feeling. That's good. maybe some anxiety, maybe some stress, maybe some tightness. Now that's going to lead to an action. That's going to lead to hesitancy. That's going to lead to avoidance when they're on the ice. If you look at the exact opposite, just saying they're strong, right? So you have the statement, I'm strong, a feeling, positive energy, right? Feeling 
feeling stronger, right? Mm-hmm. Feeling uh, pumped up before a game. Now the action is going to be approach, right? I'm going to get that puck. I'm going to get that ball. They're going to approach things rather than avoid things. Just by a, that simple shift of a positive self-talk or negative self-talk, right? Um, so if, if players want to be energized, if players want to be in the zone, just noticing that and saying, all right, uh, looking at past games, these were some, some games that I really excelled in and honing in on, you know what? Last week I was an animal. I was a beast. Oh yeah. I could do that now. And recreating that over and over just by saying that again, the, 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 the mind's athlete body just follows it. If you have that positive self-talk and say, I know what to do. I'm focused. I'm locked in. Your body just naturally does it, which is the beautiful part. Mm-hmm. So um, I will say this, it is practicing off the ice that is more important with these techniques, right? Uh, the joke I give to everyone is when we do sports psychology stuff, I teach you these techniques and it would be like me pushing a kid that's never ridden a bike into oncoming traffic and say, now use those skills, pedal, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Don't use these yeah. games if you haven't practiced it on the grass, on the sidewalk for yeah. days and weeks and months, right? So you're home, you're alone. All right, checking my thoughts. Uh, here's a negative thought. Can I contradict that thought and label it as, oh, you know what? No, I have some evidence that that wasn't true. I am a good player. I am strong. I am fast. I am that. Great. Over and over and over. Now it's Sunday and it's on the ice. <laughs> now you have the mindset to challenge these things. Yeah. So it's it's practice, right? Exactly. It's yeah. the same thing on the ice, off the ice. You can't do good yeah. sit work if you don't practice it over and over and over and over. Can't be mentally tough if you neglect this over yeah. and over. It makes sense. Um, I never really, th- I never thought about it like that. I thought I could always just, I don't know. I never really put too much emphasis emphasis on it when I was mm-hmm. playing. Um, yeah. I would always just like make a mistake and get down on myself. And it was almost like a, a toss up, like, how am I going to react to this? But how, how, how can I expect it, to, you know, for me to act positively if I'm not practicing it? on a day-to-day with other things in my life, it's obviously, like you said, the brain doesn't know sport versus real life, like whatever, the rest of your life. So how am I going to expect for this outcome to act any differently if I'm not applying it to everything else in my life? And that's just kind of like, you know, my light, the light bulb went off now. So I wish yeah, I could know that earlier, people, but. <laughs> it's, it's, it's muscle memory. Yeah. Right. Everything is muscle memory. And the more we do certain patterns, the more likely we to do the certain patterns in other scenarios. So if when I get home and I have a stressful day, I sit, deep breathe for a little bit, relax, have some positive thinking, great. Now, if every stressful situation, I'm doing that, I'm getting to a calm, clear state of mind, now you can put me in any scenario right now. I'll be ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this for years. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing that's going to stress me out based on years of, of muscle memory. Yeah, you, oh, you're, you're use those, yeah. Use those uncomfortable situations as opportunities to practice that self-talk to bring you back. Always. So, yeah. That's an important, uh, I think it's an important perspective to have and to look at it that way. Um, yeah. That, that's just clicked a light bulb for me and it kind of makes sense now, you know what I mean? I'd never really kind of thought of it that way that like I had just figured like hockey and the rest of my life are so different. I, I thought my whole life yeah. was hockey, you know, and I, that's what you identify yourself, which I think is a huge problem with athletes in itself. So you are not alone. You are not alone. I hear it all day long. I hear it all day long. And, and uh, back to what like the Joe Rogan podcast and all these things is practicing uncomfortability. Uh, if I say to you, all right, meditate, sit and do nothing for half an hour and get comfortable to sit in a room, lights out, just breathing. People are like, it's the most boring thing in the entire world. Mm-hmm. No one wants to do it, but it's like one of the most single best things athletes, high level athletes do. That, you know, that's the boring stuff. Yeah. That they're doing this for years and years and years. If you look at any pro player, and this is funny, they always 
after I say this, you're going to look at sports and you're going to see this before you've never seen it. Look at any free throw in basketball. That's right. Look at any serve in tennis. Roll five times, you know, PK in soccer, Ronaldo, deep breathe. They all are doing deep breathing and visualization before any important moment, right? And now when you look at it, you're like, oh, wait, that's what the pros are mm-hmm. doing? Yeah, because yeah. when they're home alone, they sit and meditate for hours and hours and hours. So when it's the game-winning 10 seconds left on the clock, give it to Michael Jordan, he knows what to do. Exactly. He's, he's in that mindset. There's um, no there's no difference from, say, real life to that big, you know, clutch moment. No, it's all one. No. It's Absolutely. Well, so that brings me to the, the second good thing, right? Mindfulness, right? Being in the present moment. I really like what you were talking about with senses. So I could kind of go on and elaborate with that because that is uh, one of the best ways to practice being in the here and now at home, right? So... We have five senses and they do not lie. You cannot fake not being present with your five senses. So if what I'm seeing in front of me, so right, I'm seeing you right in front of me right now, Mm -hmm. this is as present moment as it can be. So I tell people take 10 seconds, right? At home when it doesn't matter and try to focus on that one thing. It seems like the simplest thing in the world, but we just pause for 10 seconds. So whoever the watchers at home, pick one thing in their room and try not to get distracted. Try not to hear a thought. Try not to focus on anything else. Just pick that one thing for 10 seconds. Let's see how much our mind wanders. So I'll just put 10 seconds on the clock mm-hmm. and I'll just see if we can focus for 10 seconds. you 100% present? Was your mind wandering? How personally did you feel like you did with just looking at something? I definitely wandered. I I, I tried my best to not, but me trying not to wander caused me to wander. <laughs> so it's such a simple, hard, simple, hard skill, right? But if you practice that every day, just focusing on one thing, yeah, maybe it, it took two seconds and then your mind wandered, but fell better. Can you get to three seconds? Can you get to four seconds? So now, again, you practice for days, weeks, months, years, and now you're in a game. Can you focus on that puck and be locked in to what you are? Now you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll go quickly. We'll do all the senses because um, everyone likes a different sense. Very interesting. People get locked into feeling. People get locked into smell. People get locked into vision, right? Um, so we did seeing. Let's open up our ears for a second and let's focus on right now what is around. So I got a couple birds chirping behind me. So I'm going to take 10 seconds and see if I can focus on that without getting distracted by any other sound. Okay. What did you notice if you heard things for 10 seconds? I heard like a rumbling engine outside and I, heard the fan in the other part of the room. So I heard two different things. Again, right. I got the worst AED though. So I was like, that makes sense why I'm listening to so many different things. But, but it's not even that. It's practice. Yeah. It's yeah. practice. So imagine not hearing the fan, but only hearing that, mm-hmm. right? So I, I start with allowing your mind to hear everything. And then what I do is in uh, start doing two different distinct noises. So, you know, the car's going and the bird's going and saying, ignore the cars on the road and as best as you can, only focus on that. So you're teaching your brain focus and attention. Mm-hmm. Teaching be in the present moment and you're teaching focus and attention. So you're like getting a two, two for one there. Yeah. That makes sense? No, definitely. All right. Uh, uh, so like smell. Um, I got a nice little raspberry seltzer. So I'm just going to smell that. Try not to get distracted by anything else. So if there's a, a smell in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Take a second. Focus on that. Okay. Smell's a hard one. What, what do you notice? Try trying to breathe. I couldn't, I couldn't smell much. So I just try to focus on my actual breathing. 
and mm-hmm. like the feeling of my breath going in my nose and out my nose. That's what I try okay. to focus on. Uh, how is that? It sounds like you pretty a little bit, e- a little bit easier. Yeah, I'd say. Um, I try not to focus okay. on anything with my eyes. I try to just focus on the nose. So um, a little so bit easier than the rest of me. Yeah. As you go, the more you practice, the better it gets. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so touch. This is your specialty. Yeah. So exactly. you're sitting in a chair right now. Try what I try to teach people with touch is get out of your body. So I don't want you to feel your heart rate or the nerves or this or that. Feet on the ground, you know, legs against the couch, whatever it is. Try to get out of your body and into feeling something external. So. So what do you notice with your feet grounded? I bet you could, you could feel it. I was focusing on my hands on the couch here on the, on the side. Right? On, this, on the armrest, yeah. Just like- For you. Of, yeah. That, that's your Zen zone. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, definitely. Great because you've done it consciously or unconsciously with the stick mm-hmm. for so many years. Mm-hmm. Right? So again, yeah. because that was your thing, now you're in a game and this is it. You're just focusing on the stick. All day long, you're in the present moment. Mistakes happen, whatever, back to the present. Mistake happens, back to the present. So I love the senses because it's such a e- easy, hard mindfulness. Yeah, trick. No, you I think I mean? that definitely. I think will resonate with a lot of people, and I think it's important to reiterate like, finding what works for you. For me, it's touch. Yeah. For someone else, it might not be. You know, for someone else, it yeah. might be focusing on the puck, focusing on an object, or the smell yeah. of the ice or the, you know, the Zamboni, the oil from the Zamboni. I think everyone's got their own thing. It's important Correct. to focus on that, to bring them back to that present moment. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. I'll just tell you a funny story. So I have a lot of athletes that um, sound, right? Like the audience either booing or cheering riles them up. They love it. They mm-hmm. feed off of just, and then this past year now playing without any crowds, they're like, I don't got it. It's to ground me. Yeah. You know? So it was like a hard year to, to, to pivot what, what they practiced for years and years. Now that sense got taken away from them. Exactly. So they had to reinvest <laughs> in a yeah. new sense and they mm-hmm. got it yeah. eventually, but, but it was interesting. Yeah. Like big adjustment time for everybody. I think this year, especially big adjustment athletes, time. you know, dealing with yep. um, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, Oof, this is so, take a break here. Exactly. Um, so, just to go over them again, the three that you'd say were being present. Oh, so, uh, yeah. So, so overall, just to wrap it. Um, yeah. The, the, the first one that I was talking about is self-talk. The second was, was the mindfulness. Uh, the last one, if I could do quickly. Oh, yeah. Is, go, yeah, for sure. Is uh, learning to let go of mistakes. Okay. Which, which is huge, 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 huge. Mistakes are part of every single game. Uh, noticing our thoughts helps us let go of mistakes. Um, so if I could bring the brain into it for a quick second, people have 70,000 thoughts a day, like random 70,000 thoughts all day. What research has found is about like 60, 70% of it is all negative. So we are on spot of negative thoughts all day long. So if we believe all of these negative thoughts all day, we're not playing. We're not happy. We're not going to be focused. So a simple technique I let people do is labeling thoughts as thoughts, right? Recognizing it's a thought. So the, the word, the, the phrase that I have people say is uh, pretend I miss something and I say I stink, right? Uh, I would have people say, I'm having a thought that I stink. So just labeling, I'm having a thought that I stink takes that thought away and be like, wait, do I stink? Or am I just having a thought mm-hmm. that I stink? Shifts it, puts yeah. it into a different perspective. And like to go even further, uh, if you say I'm noticing, I'm having a thought that I stink, then that just puts it to a whole other yeah. level. Now you're getting the metacognition, like, wait, I'm noticing that I'm having thoughts that I'm saying, well, then that can't be real. Mm-hmm. Then that just puts me so random thought exactly and this is something that i've been thinking about recently um as it pertains to 
anxiety and depression and mental health issues is that, you know, they say you know, we have a chemical imbalance in our brain. And I'm challenging that theory as someone who suffers from anxiety and depression. It's like, you know, the whole statement, I'm, you know, I'm mentally ill, not mentally weak. It's a mental illness. And I'm, I'm trying to challenge that. Cause it's like, I don't know if I'm, I, I can't just chalk up to I'm mentally ill. I'm trying to think to myself and, and do I really have a chemical imbalance? And I, the way I'm challenging it is maybe I'm just focusing on the negative thoughts too much and allowing them to really resonate with me and then translate into how I physically feel. So I'm trying to challenge the thought of like, maybe we're not people who suffer from anxiety, depression. Maybe it's, you're not mentally ill. Maybe it's not entirely a chemical imbalance, so to speak. I think you just have allowed yourself to focus on the negative so much over a long period of time that you've trained now your physical body and your brain to just only notice that. Right. You know, and so and I'm, and I'm not trying to take anything away from like the science of it all. I'm just, as someone who suffer, suffers with it, I'm not trying to offend anybody or nothing. I'm just trying to challenge, you know, the yeah. argument that maybe we're just focusing too much as, you know, people who suffer with anxiety, depression. Yeah, stop focusing on the negative as much. And maybe try and slowly over time, rewire your thoughts in your brain. We know clinically what you attend to dictates your emotions, right? And people can say you're being fake, by looking at positive things all day long. But, but I, I, I try to challenge that, that I, I don't think it's fake to search out for positive things in your life. Mm-hmm. We have millions of good things and millions of bad things. And if I only attend to um, driving, there was three red lights. I have the worst luck in the entire world. And now I'm late for work. And now X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I could do that all day long. Exactly. And you're right. I'd be anxious. I'd be stressed out of my gourd. Mm-hmm. Or I could get a red light and go, all right, I got 10 seconds to deep breathe or listen to a good song on the radio. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's my choice. Exactly. It's my choice. So it is choosing to look for whatever tiny positive thing over focusing on whatever negative thing. Mm-hmm. Both are true. Exactly. Both are true. Exactly. And 1 million percent. I totally agree with that. And it, it's, I'm, you know, as I sit and think these thoughts, and like say what I just said about, you know, challenging the whole, the stigma of mental health and quote unquote mental illness. I, I also think back to the times where I was in such a dark place and it, it really does feel like it's so hard to climb out of there that it does feel like you can just chalk it up and say, I'm just, it's a chemical imbalance. Not have to deal with this rest of my life. But I think it's important when you are in good places where you aren't in that deep pit in that quicksand of anxiety and depression. I think it's important where you start from that point on. Okay. I'm not going to allow myself to get back there. I'm going to remain in, in this positive loop of it, not the negative side of the loop, but the positive side of the loop and just keep going and ride the wave, ride the wave. And then when I find myself slipping a bit, rebring yourself back. I think that that's how I'm trying to tackle it on my end. And that's how I've kind of noticed it's been working for me. I've had a couple bad days past two weeks but I've quickly just brought myself back and I think it's been working for me. And I don't know. I just kind of wanted to bring that out there to you as a professional, well, kind of like what your thoughts were on that and kind of how no, many, I, I guess. I think it's, I think very well because uh, it's what we were talking about with there's these 80,000 thoughts. Most of them are negative. And when we attend to or get stuck with these negative thoughts, we will feel this way. So every single one of us, this is not a you problem. This is mm-hmm. a humanity problem. The brain is programmed to think more negative than positive. And if we just focus on yeah, this, this, this negative thing, we're, we're, we're going to be, you know, in some, some trouble. Mm-hmm. One, one of the professors said this, and I'll remember this is 20 years ago. He, he talked about the saying, Whatever you practice grows stronger, right? So it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. If you practice that one mentality, good or bad, you'll get stronger at that. So if you're noticing negative thoughts, well, you're practicing negative thinking. So guess what you're going to get really good at? (laughs) Noticing negative thoughts and feeling Mm -hmm. negative thoughts, right? If what you do is you notice the negative thought and then you practice fighting it, changing it, doing a different script, what's going to get stronger? 
fighting it, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting a different script, yeah. thinking more positive. So it's it's hard work for oh, yeah. sure, but at the end of the day, what what do you want to practice? Like you ever hear the the, the story with like the two wolves, the the good one you feed, yeah, of course, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It, it, That's I know. it. Yeah. Which wolf are you going to feed every day? Exactly. We're all going to die at 70, 80, 90. Mm-hmm. You want to die practicing happiness all day long and looking for positive things? Or do you want to die at 80, 90 practicing misery and feeding exactly. that negative wolf? Exactly. It's a hard choice, but it's a choice is the point. Yeah. And it's hard because when you can, when you find yourself spiraling towards the negative, it's not like you can just go out there and, you know, shoot pucks and notice your shot get better. I said this before, like you really have to like, it's internal work that you never really get to see like the, I guess you could say true physical benefits of it's just, so I, it's easy to get sucked in there and you got to just learn to catch it and rewrite the script and practice that. I think it's so important to reiterate that. Yep. Um, and it's yes. hard when you're already sucked in there, but I think it's important for people when they're out of it to, you know, practice that when they're already positive or a better mental mental state of mind um i want to quickly switch gears here now back to kind of um i want to talk about high performers i want to look at high performers and um what have you noticed from high performers that makes them so um and what do all high performers have in common Uh, you kind of talked about it before with being present with the breath work and the meditation Mm -hmm. piece but um just some other kind of things you've noticed from from you know high performing athletes i would say the top, 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 top have two things in common. I would say they they have a growth mindset. They have a positive mindset, right? <laughs> and they're obsessed. Those are the two things that I see all day long. I think the the mindset the that I really like with the pros that I work with is they embrace challenges. They feed off challenges, right? The the word that I use with all my athletes is I love it, right? So no matter what is happening on the rink and the soccer field and the baseball, whatever it is, the only response you can have is I love this challenge. So I'm facing a harder team. I love it. It's cold. I love it. It's rainy. I love it. Refs are making horrible calls. again. I love it. Give me more challenge. Give me more like the top, top, top guys feed off of that challenge. And it hypes them up. So it's not, it's not a victim mindset that, oh man, I got three bad calls against me and this ref's out, got mm-hmm. my number. Like, no, that's what they want. So, so they're almost expecting adversity and challenges because then they play better, mm-hmm. right? So like the top, top pros, they have that mindset that they, they love more challenges, the better it is. Um, I think also we were talking about this a little bit before, but they know the difference between what is in their control and what they're not in, in their control. And they're solely focused on effort, not outcome. And people don't believe this. I had a, a pro golfer who's at a tournament right now and they're playing millions of dollars. So every single hole, it, it matters. And when I can tell you, believe it or not, they don't care about the outcome of it. They are not focused on winning that $10 million check. They don't care. They're focused on what can I control? How much effort into my swing right now? They're locked in on that one specific thing. There is no future for these guys. It is my effort right now. That makes sense? Oh, big time. Big time. I think um, with a lot of athletes, they they need to get – I'm guilty of it. You know, you always think that the next – level that you make it to is you're going to be happy. You know, the next yep. check you get from your job, you're going to be happy. Oh, the next promotion, you're going to be happy. Yes. I think it's falling in love with the process of it and where you're at mm-hmm. and just playing and enjoying. And like you said, the effort, because so, I mean, I look back, I look back and I'm like, I was so worried about achieving the goal that I forgot. And I, I really enjoyed my whole career. Don't get me yep. wrong. There was times yep. where I overstressed and I was like, why don't you just have fun and yeah. just enjoy whatever came your way regardless. Yeah. I really stress myself out. I think that's such an important part that you, you mentioned that. Well, that brings me to like the, the second part, like the obsessive part is if you're going to do something, enjoy it, be obsessed with it and be focused mm-hmm. on it and, and have fun with it. So like in college, the joke is, all right, 
you have academics, you have athletics, then you have a socialite, pick two. Because mm -hmm. you're not going to get all three in college. Yeah. You can't do everything. Mm -hmm. Now, with the top, 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 top pros, pick one. Yeah. You're, you will suffer in your relationships. You will suffer with, you're not going to have 4.0 and be the best baseball player in the entire world and have the best. If, you, if you're going to be obsessed, it's they're focused on that one thing and that's it. I had a kid a couple of years ago. He was... 14, he was in ninth grade, so 14, soccer player, and he got an opportunity to play at Barca Academy in Spain. So what that means is leaving your friends, leaving your family as a 14-year-old kid playing Spain for the next two, three, four years to be the best player. And like that's the sacrifice. And he chose it and ridiculous player right now. Because that was that's all he focused on. Like, what will help me get to my path and if you're just obsessed with that these pros like they give up everything for that one goal and it it pays off so they're obsessed they have fun and they focus on the effort that they 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 can control like those things that's the the top 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 guys all have in common those things mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a natural obsession too. I think they just naturally gravitate to their sport. And yeah, I kind of often think to the, you know, to myself, I just, you know, the whole God-given talent argument and effort argument mm. and obsession argument. And I I hate to say like I I'll never chalk it up to straight up God-given talent because I know all these athletes work extremely hard. You, you see oh, yeah. it. And oh, I, yeah. I and it makes me think to myself like i think it, a lot of it's external stuff too i think i was i watched a documentary about um connor mcdavid and his parents were talking to him he would watch tv and, and say i want to be there and the mom would say well connor they're just like you like, you can 100 percent be there i think nurturing that oh, at yeah. a very young age will kind of you know forge the path for future i mean i can tell you how many you know parents and kids would or parents would tell my parents and and me and I'm sure we're telling this to their kids. Oh, you'll never play Division One. Oh, it's the worst thing in the world. Exactly. Meanwhile, you have Connor McDavid's parents at like six years old, whatever, telling him, "Yeah, they're just like you. You can do it." Where all I heard from growing up, not my parents. My parents are like so supportive. Yeah. I just want to reiterate yeah. that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents, <laughs> you want to be an astronaut? Go. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how my. So they're awesome. But I heard from other parents and other teammates that have, "Oh, you'll never play Division One. You'll never make it past high school hockey." And it's like, but I always believed in myself. You know, and this kid now, like, I can only imagine what their parents were saying to them. And you have Connor McDavid, best player in the world. His parents were all in. And they were just telling him, right. yeah, you can do it. I think a lot of people at home are, like, told, like, oh, it's such a one in a million thing. Like, we'll be that one in a million. Someone has to be it. You know, like, someone's got to win the yeah. lottery. You know, I don't it's, know. It's so funny. When anyone talks to you, they're projecting. Exactly, They're talking yeah. about themselves. It has nothing to do with you or your mm -hmm. ability. It's, well, I wanted to be a singer, dancer, blah, 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 and I didn't make it. So what makes you think you're so special that you're going to make it? So I tell every single person, like, whether a negative coach or family or friends of this, if they're talking negative to you, it has nothing to do with you. So you really have to realize that. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. The parents that said, yeah, you, you could play hockey. They either had parents that were really supportive hopefully or they they recognize like oh, my kid really likes it why would i squash his dreams mm -hmm. let life do that if you exactly. can make it make it great if you can't make it then okay exactly that's fine too exactly which is why i bring that up because i think Con I, when Conor davis i believe it was Conor david on a documentary when i hear his parents say that it was like foreign to me because yeah. again not my like my parents like they were supportive and but that's I come from a family where it's like we're supportive for everything, so it was expected to me. But hearing it from other people, it was like I pretty much I grew up around a lot of negative people. I'm looking back on who were just like telling their own kids and kids would tell me, like, "Yeah, my parents are like they don't they don't support it." It's like you're being shut down at an early age. Meanwhile, Connor McDavid's being like nurtured at such a young age, and then he like has this belief and this confidence. Now he's naturally obsessed with it, and then he works for it. And it's like you're building it up. You're building it, you're building it, building it. And it's like, you're just feeding it, feeding the, the fuel, like the positive fuel. And it's like, now that's look, a good like, wolf. You know, oh, it's a good wolf. There you go. Feed that good wolf. If you practice feeding that good wolf, 
It is so true that will get stronger. Your confidence will get stronger, your belief and how you execute will mm-hmm. get stronger. So it's whatever you practice grows stronger. And I've heard it from teammates talk negatively about, you think you're great? Yeah, you're not gonna, if I'm not gonna be famous, you're not gonna be famous and they're projecting their own. So it's like, it happens with parents to kids, it happens peers to peers. Mm -hmm. If if you start practicing negativity, you're gonna project that negativity to everyone you interact with. So my best advice to people is have some hope, have some faith, try. Try, Even if you're not gonna make it, try. Put Mm -hmm. a hundred, like really 100% effort. No half-assing anything. Try, give it your all, see what happens. You never know. Exactly. So exactly. you're right. Yeah. That one guy, that one in a million happens, but it happens to one. Exactly. To one. Exactly. So, like, that's you know, and I, I think it's uh, it. important to just like you said, give give it that effort and try. And oh, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time here. I just have one last question for you. Okay. Um, some proven benefits of, of sports psychology. And okay. speaking and speaking with a sports psychologist, maybe some fast facts that you have um, of how yeah. you know how it tangibly affects players positively. So, for certain performance, performance gets better because if that mental barrier is not there anymore, you execute so much better. So that's uh, individually uh, through a mindfulness perspective, like what we're talking about with the senses, you're in the zone significantly more. So being able to you know, perform when you need to perform is all due by, by practicing mindfulness and stuff. Um, their recovery is significantly better. Uh, like uh, there's a bunch of studies on they did with basketball players like Kobe's and all those people where they hook them up to heart rate, blood pressure, stuff like that. And they're running, they're sprinting. And then what happens when Kobe stops running is he deep breathes and he gets his heart rate and blood pressure down like that. His lactic acid, that lactic threshold now becomes disappear. The cortisol starts lowering. So by breathing, by focusing, now he can sprint better because he doesn't have that lactic threshold of being tired and worn down. So having that breath uh, physically, mentally, but now performance wise, you can run so much better, so much faster being able to control your heart rate and your body. So that's under your control. And that's stuff that we work on from an individual level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from, a, from a group level, from a team level, teams perform better when they communicate and when they function. So part of my job also is working with you know, high-level teams and getting them to coalesce, getting them to work together as a union. Because if you have the, the team is the object and every member is doing their part so the team succeeds, not I. So the team succeeds, the teams do better. And they've done tons of study where uh, they look at into pre-game interviews, right? And they ask each player, what do they think? And then they'll code how many times the players say we versus how many times the players say I. And you can already know where this is going. Teams that say we more have significantly higher win rates than those, oh, I did really well. I'm really focused. You're not in it for the team. So as a sports psychologist, when I work with the team, it is we building, you know? Does that make sense? Oh, big time. Yeah. Big time. That's, uh, it's That's huge. That's, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. I think you see like when you're an individual, you don't have the team's best interest. And at the end of the day, when you're playing for the team, the team does well. I think it, it all coincides when, the, when when you play for the team, the team does well, and then individuals yes. from there have more success. Exactly. Yeah, so it is everyone's going up when you're aligned. Mm-hmm. Your interests are aligned when the team wins. Why would you be like, I had a great game. We lost because of them, but I had a great game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. So, yeah, um, it's it's hard. But it seems so obvious when we're talking about it, but a lot of teams don't do that. Yeah, it, 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 I like you said, it does seem so obvious, and a lot of the stuff that you've mentioned today and that we've talked about, 
like light bulbs go off and like, oh, it seems so obvious, but we just get so caught up in everything all the time. And we never have time to just sit, reflect and, and quote unquote meditate. Like you said, like yeah. we, we yeah, don't take sure. enough time to do that. I don't, I'm guilty of it. And it's like, yeah, they really are simple things that we can start to do. And I, I'm so happy that you came on and talked about this because oh, I think it was reiterate this stuff. It's coming from a professional in the subject and, um, it's just such an important thing for people to kind of realize, like, you know, keep listening to stuff like this because it's going to keep making that light bulb get brighter and brighter and brighter. And then you're going to start hopefully turning them into habits and they'll become natural and second nature. And that's where the magic happens, I think. So, um, yeah. no, it makes oh, a lot I'm of happy sense. to talk to you. This is great. Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, of course, I didn't take up too much of your time, but this was, this was great. And thank you so much. Perfect. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. Um, also, and for anyone listening who would, you know, like to utilize your services, if you can just um, plug your website oh, or you, I did you know, your not say it. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Uh, so Dr. Burzins, my company is Birch Tree Psychology. I'm in uh, Pompton Plains, New Jersey, um, and I have a couple locations in Northern Jersey. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it for everyone uh, out there listening. You can, you know, reach out to them there and utilize the services and become a better athlete in person. So no, but thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you.